Good morning to your church. It's good to be in the house of God this morning. Just a little talk with Jesus makes it all right. Oh man, the meaning of that song, the meaning of that song. There are days, there are times when there are just people that you consider your best friends and good friends. You can't reach them. They're, they're, They're not available. And there are times, sometimes in the middle of the night, sometimes you might wake up and you say, no, I can't call and wake them up. You know what? That's just a time when you just need to have a little talk with Jesus. And then, you know, in the end, you find out it's all right. It's all right. And, you know, often and many times, God is just trying to get our attention to let us know he's available. He's available, and he desired that we talk to him, that we cast all our cares upon him, because he truly, he truly cares for us. Just a little talk with Jesus makes it all right. A story was told. Of a family. They had a precious little girl. And. The mother became ill. The mother was a member of the church. And the father was an unbeliever. And as the mother's health deteriorated. The father approached the little girl and said, we need to pray for your mom. But every time he would approach the little girl and say, we need to pray, the little girl would pull away and she refused. But she would go off to herself, to her room, and she would pray and call on to God and Asked God to watch over her mom and bless her mom. And this went on for a while. And one day the father heard her in her room praying. So it intrigued the father to ask his daughter one day, Why is it when I say we need to pray, you don't want to pray with me? But you'll go to your room and pray by yourself. And the little girl with hesitance finally responded to her dad and she said, Mom said to get a prayer through to God, you got to be saved. And the dad stood there not knowing what to say. And that same, same day, the mother passed. And the little girl dealt with it very hard. She dealt with it very hard. And she became very bitter. Toward her father. 
And the father still being bewildered because of the last statement the daughter made. He wondered why all of a sudden she would become so bitter toward him. He expressed to the daughter, you know I loved your mother. You know I provided for her. I took care of her. And the little girl for days wouldn't say a word to her father. Finally, one day after the father played with the daughter and outlined all of the things that he had done for his wife and for her mother and tried to prove how much he cared and everything, she finally spoke and said, but you couldn't get a prayer through for her. How many, how many families do we know are living that story? How many families do we know that are living that story? That, oh, I could buy you this. I provide this for you. Or I, anything your heart desire, you know what? If it pleases you, I'll buy it, I'll work hard, I'll get it for you. But when it comes down to the things that are truly needed, and when I need you the most, when I need you to pray for me, you can't get a prayer through. The question was asked once, what shall it profit a man to gain the whole world and to lose his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul. What good is the nice house? What good is the fabulous car? What good are the nice clothing? But when your health go down, you can't even talk to God. What good is it when you sit there and pretend to deceive yourself that you're begging God and pleading to God, but yet your begging and pleading is in vain. Peter said, for the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. And his ears are open unto their prayers. The righteous. Not the sinner. The righteous. How is it we deceive ourselves into believing I can live a rebellious life, I can live a life of disobedience, but when I stand in need of something from God, which gives the indication I know there is a God, but I choose not to serve Him, I choose not to obey Him, I choose not to do His will because I'm, I want to do what I want to do. But sometimes there are circumstances in life that are bigger than you. And you need to call on somebody bigger than you. Why should God answer? Why should God answer? 
you defile and defame that very son, that, that very only begotten son that he sent in your stead to die for your sins, why should he answer? The little girl questioned where her statement was valid. You could buy mama all of these things. Yes, you were a great provider. Yes, you, you could pat yourself on the back for all of those things. But the one thing when she needed you most, you couldn't come through. You couldn't even get a prayer through to God. How many, how many situations do we know of people living in situations like that? And we see it occurring more and more and more. If you don't mind, put up on the screen... 2 Corinthians 6. 2 Corinthians 6. We're talking about Solomon. But I want you to put 2 Corinthians 6 up there. And put verse number 14. Started with verse 14. Our scripture text was read into your hearing from 1 Kings. Chapter 11, talking about King Solomon and all his wisdom and all of the great examples he had that lived before him through his father, King David. But Solomon had a problem with strange women. Strange women who served idol gods, who served foreign gods, who were not believers of the one true God, who offered sacrifices unto their own idol gods, who approached their husband, King Solomon, to say, we want altars built in the name of our God. And God had warned Solomon and told Solomon to stay away from these strange women. These are the women that I told you not to intermingle with, not to marry and not to have any association with. Because they are poison unto your soul. Because they will turn your heart against or away from me. They would lead you to do things that are against my will. They will cause you to, to worship and serve other gods. And one of the greatest commandments we know throughout biblical history, thou shall not have no other God before me. Solomon did not take heed. The Bible says in verse number four, in verse number three, and he had 700 wives 
princesses and 300 concubines and his wives turned away his heart. His wives turned away his heart. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. See, not only did they cause him to sin by building altars and, and giving over to the will of their God. They stole his heart. They stole his heart that he would turn away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God. What a mess. For Solomon went after Astoreth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. And Solomon did evil. Solomon did evil. In all of his great wisdom, he did evil. What could have possibly caused a man who was endowed with such great wisdom to do evil? I tell you what, the flesh. The flesh. He did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord. And when you don't give God all, you just as well not give him anything at all. We don't serve a God who's satisfied or pleased with just some. It's all or nothing, folks. Solomon was straddling the fence, if I could put it that way. He still understood who God was, but yet his, 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 if I could put it, his heart was into those women. And he had a concern about pleasing them and making them happy. So he was straddled on the fence. I don't want to let them go. But I don't want to turn myself completely away against God. Because I know somewhere down the road, I'm going to need him. I'm going to need him. Verse number seven, did so- then Solomon, then did Solomon build a high place for Shemos, the emanation of Moab. Built altars in the hill that is before Jerusalem and for Molech. The abomination of the children of Amnon. They beseeched their husband, the king. And said, we need a place. We need a place to offer sacrifices, to, to, to worship our God. But wait a minute. If, if, if he's your king, but not only if... Not only if he's just your king, if he's your husband, shouldn't his God be your God? But see, here we see how the flesh can divide. Solomon was so caught up 
in the carnality of his mind. That it didn't matter about the soul of his wives. It didn't matter about their spirituality. Solomon only cared about what he wanted in the flesh from these women. You want an altar? I build you an altar. You want to serve your God? Serve your God. Solomon had no care, no concern about the spirituality of these women. And guess what? They didn't care about his. Verse number nine, and the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice. Think about Solomon. Think about what he had to know from biblical teaching and history. Think about who his father was. You know, I, I, I read and I think about when, when David was on his deathbed. Even while he was on his deathbed, David was given unto Solomon a hit list. Of people to make sure you kill. Not you yourself, but you make sure they are killed. Because of transgressions that these people had committed against God. And the law was they shall surely not live. Even on David's deathbed, he was telling his son, you make sure you honor God. To make sure you take these folks out. Think about what Solomon had to know about God. Think about how awesome God had displayed and demonstrated himself before Solomon's father. Because of the heart that David had toward God. Solomon, oh, he had to know so much. He had to know. But the flesh. But the flesh. Listen to me, folks. But the flesh is a beast. It's a monster. The flesh will make you do things you never imagined you would do. The flesh will make you go places. It'll make you drive distances. It'll make you do things that you just said. I can't believe I'm doing it. Solomon knew better. He was only wise. But how good is wisdom when it's based upon your own understanding? God appeared unto him twice. And even after that, it wasn't enough to change his heart. He loved him some strange women. And these strange women brought a division between Solomon and his God. 
How often are we seeing that today? Just as God told Solomon, do not intermingle, don't interact, don't fool with these strange women of those nations. How often are you hearing the cry? How often are you hearing from the pulpits? How often are you hearing from parents telling their children, stay away from that foreign nation of people called the world? Stay away from that foreign nation, those, those children of darkness out there. Because they're going to turn your heart away from God. But who's listening? Who's listening? How often do you hear the cry going out? And how often are children taking heed unto it? Only to go out there and to mess their lives up. To bring what edification? To bring what glory to God? To bring what help to the church? Well, if my spouse don't want to come, I'm still going to come. And you know what? That's great. But how much greater would it be to have you both? See, I'm talking to you young folks today. I'm talking to you young folks today who have these brilliant ideas about who you think you can change out there in this world. Amen. I'm talking to you today. As, as wise as Solomon was, you know what? He became a fool. The Bible said he did evil in the sight of God because satisfying his flesh became more important than walking and living upright before God. He turned to some, some, some heathen women and they became his number one priority in pleasing them. After all that he known, after all that he had learned and came to know about God. And what God had done, not only in his father's life, but in the history of Israel. Solomon sold God out for a bunch of heathen women. Who did not know God. And I'm asking you today, what are your intentions? What's your plan that you believe is so, that's so potent that you believe you could go out there and change somebody when God has told you to leave them alone? Even when it comes to fornication, you know, this thing is so powerful about fornication. And, and I just want to be real with you today. There are some young women who honestly believe I can whip you with my sexuality. Amen. Mm -hmm. And I can change you. 
I could get you to believe what I want you to believe. I could get you to, to, to come get baptized in this water because I know what you want and I know if I use it the right way, I could persuade you. But that ain't no valid baptism. Amen. If he can baptize you because he want to have sex with you, that ain't being baptized for the remission of sin. That's a baptism that I can commit sin. And it's sad to say, the devil has some of the minds of young women in the church who use that as a tool that I'm going to change this person. It ain't valid. It's not valid. And you should be ashamed to even think along that way. Amen. But it's real. You know it's real just like I know it's real. So what, what is it you believe that you have that's so potent, so strong that you can use that God says, you know what? The best thing for you to do, leave it alone. Mm -hmm. Stay away. Leave it alone. Number one, when you obey the gospel of Christ, you don't belong to yourself anymore. Amen? Amen. The Bible says you're a new creature. All things pass away. All things become new. new. Right? You have a new family. You have a new name. You have new citizenship. You are his workmanship. You are the salt of the earth. You are a, 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 a light upon a hill, a city that sitteth upon a hill. You know, you're all of these wonderful things. You're all of these wonderful things. You're royal priesthood. You're a peculiar person. Chosen for God's own possession that you might praise him. That the sinner, that the person in darkness might see what they're missing. By not being a Christian. Amen. That's who we are. But who are you to change the formula to say, no, but that doesn't work. No, it works. It works. It works when you do it God's way. Amen. See, you can't, you can't add some sense into the equation and say, well, I, I'm going to string him along, I'm going to string her along for so long, but I, I know I need to do something here and there to, to keep them dangling. No, no, no. That isn't, that, that isn't how you bring people to the gospel. Amen. First of all, the heart got to be honest. And it must, it must have an understanding that they need Christ. Amen. They need Christ more than they need your sex. Mm -hmm. Amen. Did you hear what I said? They need, they need Jesus more than they need your sex. Amen. Your sex might fulfill them in the flesh for a little while, but if they close their eyes in death, they are burning hell forever. Amen. Solomon turned his back 
on God. What are we doing in the upbringing of our children today? Who are our, who, who are the young boys our daughters are dating? Are they in the church? Nine and a half times out of ten? No. Who are the, who are the young ladies our, our sons are dating? Are they in the church? Nine and a half chance out of ten? They're probably not. Why is that okay with us? Why is that acceptable unto us? That our children will go out into the darkness and deal with someone that will be cancerous, that will be detrimental to their spiritual growth. And we don't have a concern about it. I, I understand we're not as wise as Solomon was. But we do have the word of God. Amen. 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 We do have something from the word of God that has enlightened us. That we cannot be a separate people. We cannot be a royal priesthood. We cannot live righteous in accordance to God's way. By indulging in the filth of the world. Be ye not what? Together with who? What's the fellowship? What's the fellowship between righteous and unrighteous? What's the fellowship? No. What's the communion between light and darkness? You ever walked in a dark room? You ever turned the light on? Does darkness hang around? One gives, right? Huh? What's the communion between light and darkness? What's the communion of coming to know the precious gift of salvation? What's the communion between coming to know for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but should have everlasting life. What's the communion in knowing that, hey, even while I was yet in sin, God provided that sin sacrifice. Mm -hmm. That through him I could be reconciled. That through him I could be quickened and made alive. Mm -hmm. What's the communion in knowing all of that, but yet only to turn back and to go back to the pit Mm -hmm. of darkness? Mm -hmm. Looking for what? Looking for what? Go to 15. What concord had Christ with Belial? Is there some agreement? Is there some fellowship between Christ and the devil? Everything I've ever read about the devil when it concerned Christ, he was trying to trip him up. 
So if we know there's no fellowship, there's no good thing, nothing in common between Christ and the devil. Who are you to go and establish a memorandum of understanding or a, a contract and agreement to say, well, this is different than what I'm doing. The devil loves his own. And Jesus said, the world loves its own. He said, you know what? The world hates me. That's what Jesus said. Right. He said, the world hates you. Remember, it hated me before it hated you. That's right. And the truth about it is not you that it truly hates. It hates me that lives in you. Amen. So how are you going to establish some type, some type of an agreement that, uh, that there's something I could work out? What can righteousness and unrighteousness work out together? What are the fruits of unrighteousness? Deceitfulness, right? Untruthfulness, right? Blindness. Uh, unrighteous folks can't see what you see. They don't understand what you understand. And it's a reason why they don't see. It's a reason why they don't understand. Because they are blinded. Amen. And until they come to the knowledge of the truth, you know what? They will, they will forever be blinded. So how can you work something out together when the word of God said that there is nothing to work out? What part had he that believeth with the infidel. Hmm? Help me out. Help me out. An infidel is a what? Unbeliever, right? You know, it, it's, like, it's like the folks over there in the Middle East. They love to call us over here in America. They say, you infidels. You infidels. But let's bring it to the Bible. It's like a man who won't work and take care of his own family. The Bible says he's worse than a infidel. Go to 16. And what agreement had the temple of God with idols? What can you work out? Huh? John 10. Jesus said about the devil, the thief cometh but for to what? Kill, steal, and what? Destroy. If you know that's the devil's mission, what are you going to work out to agree? What terms are you going to work out to agree to something better? The Bible said, for you are the temple of the living God. As God had said, I will dwell in them. And walk in them, and I will be their God. Who did he say that to? Who is he saying that to? Believers. Right? Believers. And they shall be my what? People. Is he saying that to the unbeliever? Huh? 
can, can he say that to the unbeliever? For you are the temple of the living God. Can, can God say that to the unbeliever? How can you be the temple of God and you outside of Christ? Huh? As God has said, I will dwell in them. Since when did God dwell where something was unholy? What happened on the cross? Jesus bore the sin of who? Of the world, right? What did God do? God split the scene. God had to go. Not because his son was a sinner, but because he bore the sins of the world. But because he bore those sins, he couldn't hang around. Because God and sin don't dwell in the same place. So how can you say to the unbeliever, to the non-Christian and God will be the temple. Their body, they will be the temple of the living God. No, no. Outside of Christ, you condemn. How can God, how can it be said for God? I will dwell in them. No. I will walk with, I will walk in them. No. And I will be their God. No. And they shall be my people. No. My point I'm making is we, we, we can't keep going on making the same transgression. We can't keep on acting like it's okay. We, we, we can't sit back and act like, oh well, I'm happy for them. I'm happy for them that they went and found somebody. Mm -hmm. No. You don't just find somebody, anybody, anything for God's best. And see, one of the one of the reasons you will go out there and just find anything is because you evidently you had a, a brain fart in understanding who you are. Yep. Yeah. Well, I'll change it. No, you won't. That's right. Amen. It's a reason why all through the New Testament, especially, it tells you to flee. Yep. Run, abstain. Mm -hmm. Don't go that way. Mm -hmm. You know why? Because the flesh is powerful. Mm -hmm. The flesh is powerful. The Bible itself said the spirit is willing. Mm -hmm. You may have all the good intentions of the world mm -hmm. yeah. until you wake up in bed with the person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you say, I really didn't mean for this to happen. Most people don't. But when you ignore the warnings that God has put out there, mm -hmm. that's how you find yourself laying up there. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine having a teacher, having Apostle Paul as a, a, a mentor, a teacher? Timothy did. Right? Mm -hmm. But even in that mentorship and the teaching and everything. What did he tell Timothy? Flee. 
on occasion, you pull us. Mm -hmm. He said, don't play with that boy. Mm -hmm. Don't play with that. You run. You run. Why? It'll get you. There are some women out there, boy, that'll turn your heart away from God. Mm -hmm. Young man, there are some women out there that will turn your heart away from God. Oh, she, she, may have, she may have the figure, buddy. She may have the look. She may have the, she may have the glamour. But she don't know God. And being that she don't know God... She's no different than a venomous snake. Because she's going to lean to her own understanding about getting what she wants, doing what she wants to do. And being that she don't know your God. You will be her victim. How is that going to build up the church? How, how is it going to build a church up when our young men keep leaving the church and going out into the world, marrying unbelieving women, and we, we can't even say we have a solid foundation of Christian families? Amen. How is that going to build up the church? We, we may have half our families that support the church. But folks, shouldn't a family be a unit? Mm -hmm. Amen. Shouldn't it be a unit? That little girl asked the father, or uh, told the father, oh, you, you could provide everything. But you couldn't get a prayer through mm. for my mom. How many, how many of you young men are on the path of destruction to find yourself in that situation? Mm -hmm. I often wonder, you know, to, to, to sit at a table to get ready to eat mm -hmm. you can't ask your husband to pray, mm -hmm. to get things for the food. Who are you going to talk to? Mm -hmm. Huh? Who is he going to pray to? You say, well, brother, man, even though he ain't a Christian, it don't hurt for him to acknowledge. No, what he need to do, if he wants to acknowledge God, he need to get saved. Amen. Think about it. Think about it, brothers. Think about it, young man. What, what, what if you get down and sick? What if you get down and sick? And you look at that woman you married who ain't a Christian. And she's there holding your hand and, and she's trying to offer you some consolement. And, and she said, baby, I'm praying. And you know deep down in your heart, it ain't going to do no good. And you know that. You know that. I don't care how sincere she may be. I don't care how many tears she's standing there crying. 
God here it's not. Who? The sinner. Why should he? But how many times, how many times over and over do we keep seeing history repeat itself? Go to the next one. 17. Paul writes and said, wherefore, come out from among them and be ye what? Saith who? Saith who? The Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will do what? Can you handle sin? Can you be a participant? Can you be involved in sin and present yourself a living sacrifice unto God? Well, something got to give. Something got to give. You can't be rebellious. You can't go out there fooling with sinful folks, unbelievers, get involved in relationships, and then turn around and talk about you are a Christian and you're presenting yourself unto God. It doesn't go together with the word. The Bible said, and I will receive you. I will, con- I will receive you based upon the, four, the uh, aforementioned conditions. That you, number one, you come out from among them. And be ye what? Saith who? He said, I'll bless you. I'll, I'll, I'll be something special to you. But if you are more concerned about fulfilling the lust of your flesh, That's your God. Hmm. That's your God. Because you can't, can't serve God. Amen. Matthew 16, 24. It always comes up. Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him first do what? Deny himself. Jesus said, the, the, the objectivity of being a Christian is putting away, destroying I. I. I deny yourself. Putting to death self. I. And you know what Jesus, you know what he replaces with I? Himself. You put that old man to death, I give you life through me. Everything that you need to be resuscitated or to be born again or to live an upright life. You get it through me. Deny yourself. Get yourself out of the way and, re- and replace all of, of everything about you with me. But if you see fulfilling the lust of your flesh more important than being obedient to God. God can't be the one that you're truly serving. You can enjoy the pleasure for a little while. Mm -hmm. 
but you're going to need God. Amen. Stop the cycle. Stop the cycle. Stop the cycle. Look around. Look around. Where, where, where are the husbands? Where are the wives of the brothers who, who are here without the wife? Why, why, why do we have such dysfunctionality? Why, why isn't why we made up of family units? Complete family units. The design that God had in mind. Somebody veered away. Somebody loves strange women. Somebody loves strange men. And it's sad to say, it's scary to even think and mention. Sometimes I look back at old phone directories and old listings and just look at folks who have fallen away. Not, not because of false doctrine, but it's because who they marry. They came to that junction that, look, it's either you're going to please me. Or you're going to keep going to that church? But you keep going to that church. I'm going to leave you. And you know who they chose? They chose the flesh. This isn't stuff that I'm just making up. I'm talking real life people. But if they had hearkened unto the word of God. From the beginning, they never would have found themselves in that situation. You know, it, 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 it's one thing if a Christian just up and turn and don't walk anymore. You can say, well, hey, at least I was married to a Christian. But you know what? I can't give you no points for a non-Christian. You already know they didn't believe. Stop the cycle. And the only way we're gonna we're gonna stop this cycle, we're gonna break it, we're gonna have to put the fear of God in our in the hearts of our children. Amen. Amen. You've got to stop condoning when they go out here dating these folks and acting like, oh, it's such a wonderful thing. Stop condoning. Still got folks in the church posting on Facebook and, and all this stuff. Marrying unbelievers. Planning to marry unbelievers and all this stuff. And, and, and we got folks in the church talking about congratulations. I'm happy for you. How can you be happy for a Christian? Congratulations about what? Huh? You don't want me to preach about it, don't post it. What, 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 what do you expect me to congratulate you about if I know you're going against what God has told you to do? Polly, Polly, if, if, if I was a female, if I was a female, and I'm getting ready to marry a non-Christian, 
So I'm getting, I'm getting ready to give my headship over to a non-believer. I'm getting ready to give my headship over to somebody who don't love God. I'm getting ready to give my headship over to somebody who might make decisions and say anything, do anything. That I just don't know. What am I gonna what do what are you gonna congratulate me for? That sounds foolish, don't it? But why are we congratulating folks? Huh? Folks, I, I'm just going to be real, real with you. True Christianity can be cold-blooded. Amen. Amen. But it's real. Right. It's really out of love. Mm -hmm. when, when, when you go out there and meet some unbeliever or whatever, and you tell me, I want you to meet, you know what? The response should be, why are you messing with them? Mm -hmm. You're not a Christian. Why are you messing with them? No, I, I really don't want to get to know them. And you need to leave them alone. Mm -hmm. But see, we have taken it upon ourselves to say, that's just, that's just not nice. Mm -hmm. Hell ain't nice either. Mm -hmm. The hardship in the hell you're going to go through giving your headship over to an unbeliever ain't nice either. Amen. What, what's going to happen, Polly, when, when my headship, who is a non-Christian, raised hell because I want to give as God has prospered me? Mm -hmm. what, 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 what's going to be to congratulate me about when that headship, that unbelieving headship, decide I'm sick and tired of you always doing stuff with the church? What's going to be to congratulate me for when that unbelieving headship decide on Sundays Look, why can't you just stay at home? But what are we telling people? What are we telling people? Congratulations. I ain't happy for no Christian marrying another Christian. Amen. If you're in it, you got to deal with it. Mm -hmm. But if you haven't done it, don't look for no congratulations from me. Amen. Can you read what I read? Come out from among them. Well, if, if I'm not among them, I'm not going to be entangled with them. People of God, you say amen to the truth. Amen. But you ain't got to say it. Amen. But see, but see, that just goes to show how, how, how much we're lacking. Mm. Yeah. We want to lie and say we're the church of Christ, but we don't want to stand on the we don't want to stand on the truth. We still wanna, we still wanna mix and mingle. We still wanna fornicate. We still wanna do all the stuff they're doing in the world, but we wanna run up in this building behind a church sign and say, We're the church of Christ. Some of us are just demons and devils. And dressed up outfits. It ain't too late. 
It ain't too late to get it right. Amen. But we got to stop the cycle somewhere. Yeah. We got to stop the cycle somewhere. Yeah. Stop contributing to this foolishness. Mm-hmm. We holler, amen, hallelujah, when we talk about homosexuality. <laughs> we say, oh, yeah, Romans 1, yeah, yeah. The, not, not only just the ones who act that way, but even the ones that agree. In, amen, amen, amen. What, what are you doing congratulating somebody? Mm-hmm. You're giving your approval. You're giving your acknowledgement of saying, that's all right. Well, how can it be all right if you're righteous and God said it's unrighteous? If we're going to be the church of Christ, let's be the church of Christ. I ain't worrying about losing numbers. I just firmly believe with God. We shall always be the majority. God has moved. God has moved bigger mountains than you. But it's just a matter. Do you want to live right? And I'm saying today. We need to make up our minds. Stop contributing. To defiling the church. We're just. We're just working for the devil. To bring in. More and more confusion. Weaker and weaker families. Weaker and weaker men who, who, who won't stand up. Who don't have a backbone. Who don't even have the knowledge of the operational scheme of the church. You're going to be the church of Christ? Stand up and be it. I believe John 8 says... And ye shall know the truth. And the truth. It says the truth. Shall make you free. I believe in that. I believe in it. I ain't mad with nobody upset with anybody. I'm just saying. You need to make up your mind. Which side you're going to be on. Stop hanging around troubling us. With your sin. Stop being aching. Make up your mind. Whose side are you on? When Moses came down from the mountain, they'd build that golden calf. You know what? They had even persuaded Aaron. They had got to Aaron. But look at the mercy of God. Moses said, you know what? Those that are on the Lord's side, you come over here. And you know what? Those who recognize and realize, man, I got caught up in this mess. I'm going to get out of this mess. Mm-hmm. I was wrong. They went over to Moses. But there were those who, guess what? Ain't going nowhere. Mm-hmm. Ain't going nowhere. You shouldn't have been up there that long. Mm-hmm. We got our calf now. This is what we're going to worship. And Moses gave the order. Every man, every man of age, you take out your sword and you go over there and you kill every last one of them. You kill every last one of them that didn't come over here. Hmm. When I read that and think about that, can you imagine that will probably, when, when people start Seeing those Levites and everybody start killing, 
Someone probably said, hey, I changed my mind now. Mm, too late. Too late. See, the line is behind us. And you got to come through us to cross that line where you should have been. But being that you're on this side, you're going to die. And some of us want to play games with God. Amen. But I just want to try this. I want to try that. I want to do this. I want to do that. Let me tell you something. You don't know what you're playing with. God ain't no toy. Amen. Come ye out from among them. Stop worrying about what you're going to miss in the world. Stop worrying about what, what, well, I, I, I always look forward to this. You should be looking forward to going to heaven. Amen. See, we got to renew our minds, folks. Let's just call it what it is. We need to renew our minds. We're going to be the church of Christ. Let's be the church of Christ. That's all I'm going to say. What's our song, Adore?